turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Christ has coexisted with God since the beginning. Therefore, everything we think, say, and do is to be rooted and grounded in Him because in the beginning was Christ, and Christ was with God, and Christ was God. As we consider our celebration of Christmas, let's ask ourselves these questions. Do the gifts we have glorify God? Do they remind us of the one whom we are or should be celebrating? Is He our focal point on Christmas Day and every day? Are we witnesses for Christ in our giving, thereby drawing others to Him? Christ is to be the only object of our celebration and giving. The same scars that that Thomas touched. He says uh, he had doubting problems. But, But when he touched those scars and touched the nail prints, all of a sudden he said, My Lord and my God! And and Jesus said, Well, you, you believe because you see. Blessed are those who believe and have not seen. You know who he's talking about? Us. How many of y'all believe? I believe today. I believe God. I believe God. And all the demons in hell can't make me doubt the validity of the fact that God is. Do I have some God is believers in here? God is. That's right. He said, that's us. We believe God. We haven't seen him with the naked eye. Then you got folk walking around here talking about, I saw God. You, 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 how are you going to see God and still live? You can't handle all that Chicana glory. You, you faint if you see God. You, God that glory even kill you. It'll knock you out. Your, your physicality can't handle the full Chicana glory of Almighty God. Maybe you thought you see God. Maybe you had too many pork chops, but you, 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 you haven't seen God. <laughs> but one day every eye shall see him as he is. Stood as a lamb as though it had been slain, the scars. When I see Jesus. Let me touch you. Mama, I love you. Daddy, I love you. Grandma Emma, I love you. Grandma Lula, I love you. Cousin Joe, I love you. But get up, just hold up a moment. I'm going to shout around you, but I want to shout for my Jesus. Because when I see Jesus, when I begin to touch the prince, that provided my redemption. <laughs> when I begin to feel the 
the, the pierce of the side and the feet and look at the marks of the brow where he had the thorns to, rede to redeem us from our sin. I tell you and I submit to you today, there's going to be some shouting in heaven. I feel bad for a Christian that can't shout down here. That's right. You listen, this is worship today is a prelude for the ultimate worship around the throne of God. That's right. That's right. And listen, if you have that's why I tell you, you ought, you ought to be glad to come to church, because if you're not glad to come to church, then you saying to go, are you going to be glad to come to heaven? How you want to spend all eternity with me in heaven? And you got a problem even attending for a little bit of time here on earth. You ought to be like the psalmist that said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Are you glad to be here? The incarnation of Jesus Christ actually did take place. When the scripture says in John 1:14, and dwelt among us, it means that he literally lived among humanity. He actually lived uh, among humanity. He had humanness. He had physicality. He was a real person. He, uh, he had to, he had a real body and he had to have a real body because he couldn't, he couldn't die unless he had a body that was subject to death. John 1 14 says, and dwelt among us. Who's us? Humanity. It means that he literally lived among humanity. The word dwelt means tabernacled or pitched his tent. Dwelt means tabernacle or pitch his tent. In the past, God manifested his presence to his people in the Old Testament in the tabernacle or tent of meeting, it was portable, representative of God. And they were moving it around and around and moving it wherever Israel went. And they moved the thing and they had a prescribed way of carrying that tent. It was portable and it represented the, the presence of almighty God. But God says, I'm going to do more than a tabernacle. Um, I'm going to do more than a tent of meeting. I'm going to send my beloved son and the person of Jesus Christ to become flesh and blood just for you. Jesus loves me. This I know the Bible tells me. So in verse 14, God takes up resident among his people in the incarnate word, Jesus Christ. In other words, our Lord's body was the tent in which he lived among his people for 33 years. The son of God actually became flesh and blood. He came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ and did not cease to be God when he took on flesh. What a staggering thought that Jesus Christ is fully God and yet fully man. Jesus was one person with two Natures, which is known as the hypostatic union. You say, well, how do you spell hypostatic union? Oh, it's on the screen. H-Y-P-O-S-T-A-T-I-C. Okay. Hypostatic union. In his incarnation, Jesus did not cease to be God, but was clothed in flesh and voluntarily restrained himself from the exercise of some of the attributes of his own deity. Jesus possessed the nature of God 
And he also possessed the nature of man. He was undiminished deity and perfect humanity. And no other person on earth can say that. Undiminished deity and perfect humanity. And that is the truth. First John 4, 2 through 3a says, by this, you know, the spirit of God, every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is of God. And every spirit that does not confess that Jesus Christ uh, has come in the flesh is not of God. That's how you know if you're of God or not. If you believe that Jesus came in the flesh, that means you are of God. If you don't believe he came, then you are not of God. You're not saved. Philippians 2, 6 through 8 says, who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. He didn't hold on to all of his majesty and glory and all those things in heaven, the beauty of heaven. But he condescended, uh, made himself of no reputation taking the form of a bond servant and coming in the likeness of men. And look at verse eight and being found in appearance as a man. See, I, that, that, that verse there speaks to the humanity of Christ. It's all over the Bible and being found in the appearance as a man. The disciples saw him as a man. The, the, the scribes, uh, Pharisees saw him as a man. And so much so they said, isn't this, isn't this mama, the mother, uh, his mama, in, in Mary, his mama? And Joseph was not his biological daddy, was his stepdaddy. And don't, don't he have brothers and sisters? Now, his brothers and sisters didn't come until after he was born. Jesus Christ was the firstborn, and his brothers and sisters came afterwards. Amen. He humbled himself. That's the greatest act of humility in human history to give up all of heaven's best to condescend into a world of sin and corruption and, and, uh, uh, and hate and death and dying and schemes and deception. He humbled himself and, and took on flesh. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. That's the purpose of the virgin birth. The first six letters in Christmas are C-H-R-I-S-N-T. What does that spell? Christ, which should remind us that we celebrate Christmas for Christ's sake. Jesus, who gave us the greatest gift of all, salvation, which costs us nothing, but costs him everything. He is the reason for Christmas and every season. Many of us miss the real meaning of Christmas because we focus on giving gifts that last for a season rather than the gifts of the Spirit that last a lifetime and from generation to generation. Today, Pastor Rander compels us to remember that Christ is Christmas. Thank you for listening in today. Have your Bible close by and have pen and paper handy. Some may ask, which is important? Is celebrating Christmas the birth of Christ are more important or is celebrating, you say, Easter or the resurrection of Christ uh, are more important. Listen, you can't put one over the other. They are both of equal importance You, because he couldn't rise from the dead unless he had first been what? Born. And he was born to die. You hanging with me? My friends, 
This passage is saying that Jesus is the Messiah, the son of God, who displayed the greatest act of humility by leaving his throne, splendor and majesty in heaven and became flesh and blood among men to die so that all who believe in him would be saved. Matthew 121 says, and she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. That's why he came. When John says in verse 14, and we beheld his glory, it means that John actually saw with his own human eyes, our Lord's perfect life. The disciples saw his character to perfection. They saw his miracles, they saw his death, and they saw his glorious resurrection. They beheld his glory. Christ was without flaw and he was without blemish. Why? Because the lamb had to be perfect in order to procure our salvation. No blemish, uh, no flaws. Even in the Old Testament, when they offered up sacrifices, they couldn't be defective offerings because they were representative of of the ultimate sacrifice that was to come in the Lord Jesus Christ. And even today, people, when they give to God finances, they give the Lord defective offerings and that which cost him nothing. Christ was without flaw or blemish on the mountain of transfiguration. He even unveiled his glory for his disciples to see. You say, how you know that? Because of Matthew, one of the passages, one of many, Matthew 17, uh, one through eight, you see him unveiling his glory to show just how much God he, he really is. It says now after the, after six days, uh, Jesus took Peter, James and John. His brother led them up on a high mountain by themselves and he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as light. And behold, Moses and Elijah appeared to them talking to Jesus. What a God moment on the mountain of transfiguration. We've been to that mountain over in Israel. Oh, I sure would y'all can go to Israel with me. A few of y'all going, about 30 of y'all going, but I wish I had 80 or 90, 100 of y'all going. We'd have a shouting good time over there. Oh, listen, we went to that mountain. I've been at that mountain, the mountain of transfiguration. Peter, James, and John up there, and Jesus gave them a glimpse of his glory and a taste of heaven on the mountain of transfiguration. Wow. On that mountain, verse two, it says, and he was transfigured. He transformed right before their eyes to see how much God he really is. So when he go back to heaven, they won't doubt that Jesus is God. He said, I want to make absolute, look at this, watch this. And then in his transformation, his face shone like the sun. He got so bright, the brilliance of light until the pupil of their eyes could hardly withstand the Chicana glory of God. And his clothes became as white as light. That's just the best uh, the author John could do. It was so white, just white as light. White as white could be. Uh, uh, clothes transformed. 
body. Now, some of y'all, your body transformed, but your clothes are not indicative of your salvation. Oh, look how, look how, oh, thank you, God, for, give, God, for giving me that, that, that revelation right there. Some of y'all say y'all saved, but y'all wear some of the most demonic stuff. If you save inside, your clothes ought to represent who you are on the inside. Look, I, I'm not getting any amens out there. You'll not be wearing demonic attire or sayings that put down people or, uh, or just defame people, ugly stuff, gruesome stuff, crazy stuff, foolish stuff. And you saying you're a Christian, Christian. You're not, if you, if you've been transformed, you'll not have Halloween time witches and all over your house and on your roof and skeletons and drools and all of that. Where's the trans, if you've been transformed within, some, you ought to have some light about you that, that's indicative of the fact that you're born again. That's right. Listen, don't put a bumper sticker saying, honk if you love Jesus, if you drive like the devil. <laughs> that's right. I mean, I mean, you, your driving ought to be indicative, ought to indicate that you love Jesus. Take it off. Just, just be a closet Christian while you drive so as not to blast, so, so as not to, to, to make God's name look bad. And so that was a side digression for some of you who needed that. <laughs> His face shone like the sun, brighter than bright. His clothes became as white as light. That's the best. John is saying that. That's the best I can say. I can't really describe it any more than that. You just have to be there. You know, sometimes when, when church is so good, you have a good time in here. I don't care how, have you ever tried to describe the experience and, and you can't even do it justice and, and you just get frustrated and all you just, you just conclude to, you just concluded by saying you should have been there. That when they were on a mountain of transfiguration, it was one of those you should have been there moments. As white as light. In verse 3, and behold, Moses, representative of the prophets, I mean of, of the law. And Elijah, representative of the prophets, appeared with them uh, together, talking with him. Can you imagine all his clothes? His, he, he unveils his glory, his clothes change, and now, whew, that's, that's Moses. Whew, that's Elijah. And he's sitting there talking, and Peter, James, and John, huh, can you, they're not saying, oh, huh, they're in shock. Huh. They're not chewing gum. They're not texting. They're not on Facebook. I know I didn't have that then, but I'm just, you know, throwing that out for us because some of y'all can't get away from it even in church. You know, some of y'all make you think like you t texting the Bible, doing the Bible, and you kind of make, make messages and stuff, you know. But, but there they, they is. I wonder how long did he talk to Moses? I wonder how long, how long did he talk to Elijah? Hey, Elijah. I've been, I've been down here a while. How you doing, man? <laughs> Maybe he's talking about those experiences. You remember when I showed you how to do those miracles? 
when you worked those miracles through me? Moses, do you remember the, the Red Sea experience? You remember how you were all nervous? You were fed up? Remember I had to call you home before the time because you misrepresented me and struck that rock instead of speaking to the rock? Why didn't you just listen to me, Moses? I don't know what he was talking about, but I, I bet it was good. I wish to God that I could have been there in on that conversation. Him talking to Moses and Elijah. You know what that lets me know? There's some principles in there. Listen, God is not the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. Even though dead, they live. Huh? They live. They live. They live. In in other words, he was talking with him. He said, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, there's a scripture, even that passage will say, I was the God. You go back and look at that one. I am. Matter of fact, he says, I am the great I am. I am that I am. I can call anybody up anytime I want and have a little chat with them. I'm not, I, 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 I didn't bring Elijah and Moses down here for me to just talk to them. I, I wanted you to get, I want you, I want to let you in on this heavenly experience so when you go back, you never be the same again. And they were never the same again. They, ne- they were never the same again. Wow. While he was still speaking, behold, the, a cloud overshadowed them and suddenly a voice came, look, a voice came out of the cloud saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Who is that? See, that's a, I told you the Trinity is real. That's God the Father validating the ministry of God the Son. And they are in on the listening of the voice of God from heaven through the clouds. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then look, he says, hear him. I like that. You know, I need to preach a, a message on hear him. Hear him. You see, some of you, you, you've been in Christ a long time, but you still haven't learned to hear God. You listen to people, you listen to your mom, you listen to, to crazy folk, you listen to sorrows and fraternity and politician. You better learn to hear God. That's why some of y'all in the mess, you have a nervous, nervous breakdown. You're getting your counsel from the wrong places. You better pick up this Bible and read it and hear him. He says, God is saying to them, hear him. Every word he says is the word of life. Every word he says has power impact. Jesus, while he was on earth, never wasted one word. Think about that now. How many of you do this idle talk? You give an account. We all, for idle talk. Talk too much. I'm going to tell you something. Some of y'all text too much. You send a message to this group. You send a message to this group. You send a folk here. Go here. Go there. Listings of folk. On and on and on and on and on and on. You wasting time. You just in that stuff, in that stuff, and you 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 messing up your time and you messing up other folk time. You Mister and Mrs. Text Machine. <laughs> I submit to you today, and I'm not going to apologize for it. The majority of you in here need to reduce your texting 50%. 
I didn't get many amens then because you're not going to do it. You're not going to do it. You're too addicted. You love it too much. You want to be in the know. You in everybody's business. Everybody in your business. Oh, what did you do before the cell phone? What did you do before the texting? Now you crazy with it. It's driving you crazy. You mad woman. You mad man. You grab it in the morning. You grab it at night. Ding, grab, eat. You can't talk to your spouse. Can't talk. Ding, all uh, around the table at, uh, uh, in the restaurants. The, the child got a phone. The, they all on the phone trying to eat a burger. <laughs> I said, look at them. Ain't nobody talking to nobody. They all t- in their own conversation. It all be a rule when you eat and put that phone down. You can't even eat. Every little ding, you put the person you're talking to on hold so you can read what's coming to you. You can't even have a healthy conversation with your spouse because of all them dings. And it dings. And then some of y'all got it dinging. Two o'clock in the morning, who's texting you? You're not that important. You need to cut it off. That's why you fall asleep in the church. You're not praying, you sleep. (laughs) Oh, I can't finish this message. There's too much in this message, y'all. The older I get, the slower I go. And I'm sorry, I'm still right here. You gain your sanity. You think better. Hear him. Your mind won't be in confusion. The Bible tells us that Christ is full of grace and truth, and we are the recipients whether we realize it or not. Without him, we would not exist. So as we plan our Christmas gatherings, let us remember to celebrate the one true God in Christ and Christ in God who gives us everything we need in this life. The Bible tells us that we live, move, and have our being in Him because we are His offspring. As the Word tells us, when we give, it will be given to us. Moreover, He is preparing us for eternity with Him. There's nothing comparable to that. As Pastor Rander concludes his message, think on these things. 